For Arizona Public Media, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up, listen to the first story recorded in Tucson during StoryCorps' recent visit. Find out what hearing random sounds from another person's average day can reveal about who we are and how we communicate. And visit Sun Sounds of Arizona, a Tucson nonprofit that reads for people who can't. Those stories are coming up next on Arizona Spotlight. The motto of the nonprofit group StoryCorps is simple but profound. Listening is an act of love. Since 2003, thousands of people from around the world have had the opportunity to record their stories in the form of a conversation with someone they love. A team from StoryCorps visited Tucson in November, and next we'll hear the first story they recorded when they arrived between Gulshan and Neelam Sati. My parents, Madhu and Raj, were married in India in 1948. The British had just left India. India had just got its independence in August of 1947, and they were married May 1948, and I was born December 49. Just after marriage. Yeah. Well, in India, they waited nine months. They wanted to see. And um, I had a magical, lovely childhood. I remember things so clearly. The most important thing that I felt growing up was the incredible love that my parents gave. And I think that was the strongest thing in the world is the power of love. And especially for children, it molded me in such a beautiful way. And I shall forever be grateful to my parents for bringing me up that way. And then I still remember so clearly when I met you, Gulshan, for the first time. And And that was on? uh, That was December the 7th, Uh 1970. I had just turned 21. Oh, my goodness. On the 5th. Long time ago. Yeah. And you came on the 7th to Lucknow. Yeah. So what do you remember about that? Oh, very well about that. But, you know, Nila, my life is so different than yours. You know, you grew up as a princess and uh, uh, had a great childhood. Uh, Mine was very, very different. Uh, uh, I was born uh, on December 23rd, 1941 in Jammu, uh, Kashmir. And uh, unfortunately, my mother died uh, uh, three years after I was born, mm. so I was never I never knew her. Mm. I my brother tells me that uh, she was in uh, Murray, which is in Pakistan now. It appears that she might have tuberculosis, and they were concerned about uh, infection to the children. Mm. So she will see us through the curtains, but I don't remember her at all. And I grew up in uh, in Jammu for a few years, and then because of partition, I was uh, sent to Kanpur, 
because Jammu was very unstable. There was a lot of uh, killing going on. Uh, so my father sent us to, to Kanpur to be brought up by my bhua, which is my uh, father's sister. So in Kanpur, we grew up uh, uh, without mother, but a lot of love from, from the family, extended family. I went to education in Kanpur, then went to Lucknow University, where you used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I went to medical school in New Delhi, the All India Institute of Medical Sciences, finished the training there. That was one of the best, still uh, is one yeah. of the best in India. It is still the best in actually the whole Asia. Mm. And then I came to United States in 1964. When I left India, a lot of people came to see me off and they brought a lot of garlands uh -huh. like I was a big dignitary. <laughs> it was fun and it was difficult to leave home and be alone in uh, Connecticut. I was, did my internship at, in, at Yale, New Haven and did my training uh, in various places, including Chicago. Then I was in Kansas City and I did my cardiac surgery from Salt Lake City. And it was in Salt Lake City uh -huh. when... Um, my sister-in-law, who you know very well, Komal, right. uh, she used to write to me that, you know, now you need to get married. And I might have a right <laughs> girl for you. <laughs> and I said, you know, really? And I recall five-page letter <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a picture. And I thought that picture, yeah. and I said, I want that girl. <laughs> <laughs> In those days, um, we were not um, allowed to date or go out or write letters to boys at all. And so the families would um, look at some girls or boys who they thought would be good yeah. matches for their children. And when the parents approved of each other, then they would... Uh, contact the son and the daughter and say, why don't you meet? And usually you met over tea. I recall very well, I went to uh, my uh, chairman, Dr. Russell Nelson, who is a, one of the big person in Mormon church now. And I asked, actually I told him, I said, Dr. Nelson, I need six weeks off. And he said, <laughs> six weeks, you can't take it off. You have to repeat the whole year. And then he asked me, why do you want to take six weeks off? And I said, I want to go to India and get married to this girl. <laughs> and he said, do you know her? I said, no, I know her. I think she's a great girl. My sister-in-law says she's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I went to Delhi, and, uh, and I recall very well uh, going to your house, your father and uh, your brother and your sister and Saran. Mm -hmm. And we sat in the living room. And all of a sudden, this curtain opens, and there is this beautiful girl comes out in a beautiful sari, and I have one look at her, and I say, my God, if this is true, if this thing becomes a reality, I'll be the happiest man in the world. And I'm so happy after 45 years. Yeah. I Even felt the same way, too. I don't think so. I did. I just felt your presence and your uh, strength. And I felt that it would be perfect. Yeah. So. so I wasn't sure that uh, you would approve of me <laughs> at that time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, she was uh, still beautiful. A lot of boys wanted to get married to her. She was very popular. And, you know, I was kind of a not that charming guy. No, you were. You were. So I kept on praying and praying. <laughs> and I said, hope this girl accept me. Yeah. Yes. So, that was a magical time. Life is a mirror. 
how you project, that's the reflection you get back. Yeah. And our children are a reflection of us. We are very grateful for that. Yeah, They're wonderful right. children, wonderful grandchildren. We have been blessed to have the life we have. The life we have. Everything that I have thought about or dreamed about has always happened. I love you. I love you for always supporting me. And you are my role model. So we make a great team. We, we have the <laughs> the great team and uh, 45 years and. Uh, Many more to go. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. We heard Neelam and Gulshan Sati recorded in the StoryCorps booth at the Reed Park Zoo in Tucson. You can find more local StoryCorps stories at azpm.org. by listening to the sounds of a person's day. <laughs> no, is that the only way this will work? Because that's fine. I won't. Because no. I'm so sick of this. Those clips were from the research of Matthias Mell. He's a U of A psychology professor whose work is shaped by the moments many of us forget. Next, Mariana Dale explores his research. If you only knew. 20 years ago, there wasn't really a good way for psychologists to observe the ordinary. They could bring people into labs and give out questionnaires. Both of those are widely accepted research methods. But Mel says none of those replicate the candid, unfiltered moments of everyday life. But it's trickier to um, get at behavior that participants may simply not notice. So for example, whether you sigh or whether you have a subtle laugh or whether you use certain words more than others, say for example, whether you say I, 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 or you have a lot of we in your language. And those were the behaviors that we were interested in because we know that these subtle behaviors can really potentially have big effects on psychology. In the late 1990s, Mel and his mentor developed what they call the EAR, E-A-R. It stands for Electronically Activated Recorder. Though the technology has changed, the purpose has always been the same, to record unscripted pieces of people's days. Today, it's a smartphone app you download on an iPod. To get an idea of how it works, I borrowed one of Mel's ears and wore it for a little more than a day. So you're recording this right now? Well, it's going, so I had him set it for the controls that they use. And so it goes every 12 minutes for 30 seconds. And it records what is happening around you? Yeah, so it's basically just anything. That the device picked up a lot, including me explaining the device to my colleague, which is what you just heard. And the rest of it fits into the trends that Mel has seen throughout his research. One of the first aha experiences I had when listening to some of those sound bites from participants and listening to some of my own sound bites is that really our daily lives often are quite boring. So. Yeah, I will find that and send it to you. Oh my God, when I went to Seattle a couple months ago, Becca was like, 
I have an eye doctor appointment before you arrive at the airport, so I may be a little late. So when you look at these sound files, and we now have about 800 participants and hundreds of thousands of them, you see that social life is really restricted on average to about a third of the time. When we are talking to others, it tends to fall into some predictable categories. In one study, Mel looked at sound bites from college students. Popular topics included school, entertainment, leisure activities, but by far, people spent the most time talking about their relationships with others. So when are you having a drink? When he's back after Monday. I just see like you and him and your mom are like the same. And it was that kind of an attitude that I was like, wait, but that's not enough. And also like out of convenience, you shouldn't stay with someone out of convenience. You should stay with them because you love them. And I feel like for me, it was really frustrating. To While see- we talk about relationships a lot, what Mel says does seem to be true. Most of our day isn't spent talking at all. That was surprising to me how, how much of our, our, our time is really spent just in silence largely. Mel has been a part of more than a dozen studies that use the ear to capture daily life. He looks for ways that our hundreds of tiny interactions and moments of silence shape and are shaped by big life, with a capital B and L. Soon after I arrived at the University of Arizona in 2004, we wanted to do a study on how couples cope with cancer. Um, We know that that cancer is not one of those isolated experiences. You're diagnosed, you get treated, but it happens in a social system, and, and, and often it happens in a family system. It happens in couples. Each spouse wore an ear and generated hours of tape. These were all listened to and logged by human research assistants. There aren't yet any computer programs that can decipher emotions and those nuances in our conversations as well as people can. Mel calls them as coders, and he prepared them for emotional conversations about medical treatments and even death. The first coder came to me and said, Dr. Mel, I've listened to the first couple. This is really interesting. Had you not told me that one of the members in the couples has cancer, I wouldn't have known. More than anything else, what the researchers noticed was the amount of normal in the patients' lives. Cancer only took up about 5% of their conversations. Instead, they were worried about getting their kids to school and who was going to go to the grocery store. It shifted the focus from these accentuated interactions about the cancer to the ordinary ways in which couples lead their lives and how that actually is coping in and on itself. In the audio files, the researchers hear how people are at home or out in public, alone, singing or screaming. They can also hear how people treat those around them. And they started to analyze how our interactions with others reflect our personalities, our morality. And, and when we think of, of moral acts, we, we think of, again, those accentuated big moral acts, somebody jumping into the river to rescue somebody or somebody driving somebody to the hospital who otherwise would have bled to death. They are very important, but they are very, very rare. So we wanted to study moral life Um, the moral landscape more from a daily perspective. The researchers re-listened to hours of previously collected tape. This time they were looking for thank yous, offers to hold doors, expressions of affection, and they also listened for less desirable behaviors like criticism, arrogance, and sarcasm. 
morality beats unmorality by three to one. The, the base rate of these positive virtuous behaviors was about three times higher than the base rate of the negative behaviors, with the exception of one behavior, I should say, and that is whining. We do whine quite a bit. All of the whining, the negativity, the people in the study could have chosen to cut it out. Mel says he doesn't want to eavesdrop on the intimate moments of people's lives. Participants in any of his studies can review their audio before the researchers and remove parts without question. But for the most part, they don't. In one study, we had, I believe, 15,000 sound files and um, participants deleted a total of nine. We don't know what they delete. Um, but we have, for example, one anecdote where we conducted research with participants who were having chronic arthritis. And so we, at the end of the study, we told the participant, if you want to review the sound files, please do so. And the participants got back to us and said, there was one sound file that, that I kind of wanted to erase. I, it was me snoring when taking a nap. But then I realized that I cannot really delete it because it's really important for me to convey how strenuous my daily life is living with arthritis. It seems the researchers and their subjects agree. There's value in listening to the sounds of daily life in normal and extraordinary times. For Arizona Spotlight, I'm Mariana Dale. A unique nonprofit is now celebrating 30 years of service. Sun Sounds of Arizona provides 24-hour radio and web access to print media for those who can't read. I visited Sun Sounds Tucson Studio to find out how the staff and volunteers get the word out. This is Sun Sounds of Arizona in Tucson, reading to make a difference for you. I'm Mitzi Theron, the station manager of the Tucson affiliate. And what was your initial inspiration for getting involved in this endeavor? I was actually going to the blind school savvy and teaching computers to other people that were visually impaired. And I heard about the job there, so I just applied. To be honest with you, I didn't know anything about it. I was just looking for a job. How has the demand for your service changed over the years? A lot of people, you know, of course, military, eye problems, everything. It's just there's more and more visually impaired people out there. We hear that all the time. We have four stations in Arizona. And what Tucson does is we do the Arizona Daily Star. And then like maybe Phoenix does the Republic. And then we do our local grocery ads, our department store ads, sales, all our programming that's in just Tucson. We do the local stuff. Hello. And welcome to the Green Valley News Show. We have every Monday and Wednesday mornings at 9.30. My name is Bill, volunteer reader here at Sun Sounds. And let's see what we have in today's Green Valley News. I, I just love working with the volunteers. They're wonderful. They, they never come in really very grumpy. <laughs> you know, they like what they're doing. They're here. They want to help us. They want to read. And that's another important part of my job that I really love. You know, of course, I don't like writing the grants. Fundraising's hard, all that. But it's the volunteers that are so fun to work with. Murray Everson has been the volunteer coordinator at SunSounds for 14 years. To begin with, the users are folks with uh, a disability that prevents them from being able to read the printed word. It could be a visual impairment. It could be a physical impairment of some sort where they can't hold a newspaper. The point is, is they're no longer able to read print. So we give something to them that they can't normally get that maybe they used to be able to get. 
those are, that's just some of our services. We also read on Wednesdays the uh, grocery ads for one hour between noon and one. We read uh, the Green Valley News and Saharita Sun twice weekly. We have some other special shows that we read live, like Super Savers, we call it, coupons. And we start out with the drugstores. CVS, they have a lot of deals. And on the very front page... Where do you find people who are willing to dedicate their time to doing this kind of reading? Um, Mostly, it's people that have an interest in reading. They might have somebody in their family that has a disability, that they know of us that way. Um, The good news is, is we have hundreds of volunteers statewide. And a lot of them have professional backgrounds, as I said. A lot of them have uh, folks that they know that have disabilities. We're very blessed to have um, volunteers that have been with us for years and years. People that get into doing this, they really enjoy it. They really like doing it. And very often we have people that stay 10, 15, 20, even 25 years with us. Jeff Grant is now Director of Operations. He started as a volunteer for a simple reason. So I like reading aloud. (laughs) And so um, someone told me about this organization, and I came in and did an audition, and uh, I managed to pass with great generosity from the people who gave me. No, I was very nervous. I think someone saw something in me that uh, would later grow. Um, I'm responsible for getting us on the air and making sure we stay on the air. Is Suntown able to acquire the equipment that it needs on a regular basis or do you have to sometimes be a little bit more creative when you need to replace a broken part or something? Uh, Definitely be a little creative uh, or more than a little creative. Uh, Listeners, we're going to read comics to you for five minutes or so. Murray and I are going to take turns and I'm going to start with Sally Forth. So uh, we see that the husband... My name is Joe Francis Collymore. And uh, one day I was walking down to the chiropractor and I saw this the door and I thought, I need to know what's going on in there. So I did. And the first day I made a recording. <laughs> they put you right to work. Yeah, put me right to work. What was the first recording you made? I read a poem because I don't think he really had anything for me to do. He just didn't want me to get away. <laughs> so I read the poem, and uh, I decided I was going to come back, which I've been doing, and I just really enjoy it. I like working with everybody in the office. There's a camaraderie, and a lot of understanding and compassion goes on around here. Again, I spoke with station manager Mitzi Theron. You mentioned that veterans returning who may have had their sight damaged, that they find the advantages of using sun sounds. But is a newer generation, is a younger generation, I should say, mm-hmm. taking advantage of this service? Well, they are, but it's almost like in a whole different way. What we've actually done is younger people, of course, they don't like a radio, you know, and to sit and listen to a radio. So we stream on the computer. You can get us on an MP three player you can get us on ipods you can get us on all that now and that's how the younger people listen to us what's an example of the kind of programming that you might offer to a younger listener we have books novels then we have um like teen magazine we read from that (laughs) everybody likes this i think we read articles from playboy 
<laughs> and, and everybody asks, do you describe the pictures? And we say, no, sorry, <laughs> we don't. But of course, you're going to get a little bit younger people listening to that. Um, just the, the stories that any, any age would enjoy. When you talk to someone who may be dealing with a new visual impairment or physical impairment that makes sun sounds a, a good uh, match for them, do you find that they're surprised to know that you're here? Oh, yeah. I go on TV and somebody will be watching and they have a blind mother and they had no idea we existed whatsoever. So that's, you know, that's why we do like I'm doing right now, get the word out because it happened with me. When my vision went, no one in my family was visually impaired. So I was pretty much devastated. They did let me know I was going to go blind. I didn't really tend to do anything. I was just in shock. Uh, and so there was my mom trying to do everything she could to figure out, well, what can I do to help her some? What, what's out there for her? I get calls like that constantly. The other thing is Sun Sounds is not just for the visually impaired. And that's what we're really trying to push right now, too. If let's say you have dyslexia, let's say you have arthritis, so you don't hold things well, you, there's any disability out there where you can't read printed material good. Doesn't mean you have to be blind and you can't read it at all. If it's hard for you at, at any reason, then you can get the service for free. Every time you tune into Sun Sounds, you know we'll be here reading for you. Sun Sounds has been on air in Tucson every day for 30 years now, thanks to generous volunteers and numerous financial supporters. The people at Sun Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. You can also find our podcasts on iTunes. This show originates from the AZPM Radio Studios. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. The music is by Calexico. I'm producer and host Mark McLemore, wishing everyone a very happy new year.